So, on the road to recovery with my cold, fluey thing. And I'm home alone this week as well. Um, Deb, my wife, is flying out to Rome with some friends. And I'm sure she'll have a fabulous time. I uh, was feeling a little low, so I hopped onto the Audio Dungeon Discord and had a really nice chat with Jason Connolly and Evil Jeff and Shandy Andy, actually. The guys were kind enough to hop into a private chat with me and just have a bit of a natter, really, around this idea of a sort of modern-ish conspiracy horror game. I think Jason Connolly is quite keen on me uh, doing something, and he was very encouraging, and it was great, really, just chatting to Evil Jeff and a little bit from Andy chipping in as well. Uh, we talked through a number of different settings and different things, and uh, if you like, resources to plunder uh, in the sort of direction of running a game. And what we kind of came down to is that I really do want to run a modern, near-future conspiracy game. And... Yeah, that was exciting to talk about, actually, and it's kind of perked me up no end. I had to break off because of dinner, um, but uh, it's been nice to sort of sit and ruminate, really. I uh, have some ideas bubbling around my head, and I just want to kind of put it together and and just record something. I mean, heaven knows when I'll get around to releasing this, if ever, but... Yeah, thanks to Jason, Eva, Jeff and, and Shandy Andy for being there because, you know, when you're low, it is great to be able to reach out to some people, even if you don't know them that well, and to, you know, make a connection. And gaming is such a connection, isn't it? It's such an amazing thing, such a powerful thing. Game on. All right, it's day five of being ill. I kind of got up this morning and was fully intending on going to work and um, I got as far as a bath, had a bath and I was exhausted and uh, I keep coughing and it's really, it's really painful but man, no energy. So then I was sitting in bed feeling sorry for myself having kind of called in and, and said I'm not going to work again, feeling very low. And I get the message from Frank Turfler. And, um, you know, when I compile this, I'm just going to play that right now. It hit me so in the feels, man. And I appreciate every word of this from Frank. Hey, Jay. Frank T here. And you're asking, so I'm answering. Why do I like the journal? Why do I like to listen to the journal? You know, uh, I'm always humbled by the fact that you credit me with your inspiration to start the journal. And I guess that probably plays a bit into why I enjoy listening to it. And uh, I, I, I have to think back to when I had mentioned that you should do a journal and 
you know, I think the the biggest reason that I thought it was a great idea was you are actively putting together games and for me, one of those games was the students that you play with. And as a dad who tries very hard to find time to play RPGs with his kids, I'm always interested in hearing the inside story for other people who are playing RPGs with children. Mine are a little bit younger than the ones at your table, I believe. Uh, My youngest is seven, and my oldest is 12. I think what I like about it is the insight that I gain from your experience, both from the student's game as well as your personal game. I also feel that since you've been moving towards GURPS, there's a lot to be said in listening to your thought processes and why you're making the decisions that you're making. I think I'm just really enjoying gleaning some insight into a game that I've never played before. Your chronicles of the game that you want to play really are exposing me to something that, well, I could say for sure, I've always wanted to play GURPS. I can remember seeing the first edition on the shelves at a game store and thinking, well, I think I'm going to buy that. And then I think I probably picked up Middle-earth role-playing instead, but I thought it was a great idea. may have also at the time bought Car Wars, which I played a lot of for a summer. I don't know that we ever understood how to play it. I just like the fact that I'm learning something new, listening to your podcast, uh, whether it's the Saturday show or your journal show. I think that they both have a place for different reasons. I think that polished show is very well done, and I really enjoy it for the content you're really thinking through and presenting it in a way, well, like a teacher would. (laughs) Journal stuff, it just... It shows your human side, and I think that, and sometimes this is about as social as we can get with our busy lives. So, in a way, we're fortunate that all of this technology exists. But I'm really looking forward to hearing all of the stuff that you come up with. Uh, I'd hate to see the journal go away completely. Uh, If you feel that there's a lot of uh, demand on your time, then yeah, perhaps the the more polished show is the way to go. I know you had discussed possibly going with a shorter Saturday show and 
exploring some more with the journal and uh, you you left that pretty vague I'm, I'm interested to hear what it is that you would like to experiment with you've inspired me to continue even if it's just journaling my thoughts about my patreon I think there's a lot of value in it there's certainly value in it for me and I'm hoping that for others there's value in it as well I can certainly say when it comes to the role play rescue podcast and the GM's journal there is a lot of value in it for me okay I've just had a delivery that I wasn't expecting at all um, it's pure I don't know if it's luck or serendipity that I'm um, home alone I'm, I'm home ill today and recovering I've just taken all of my energy literally to lift this box that I've got through the door and into the living room which is perhaps a distance of less than 10 meters you know something like three three yards or something like that um, but here it is I've got a box and um, it's labeled studio to publishing um, and a part of my brain is telling me that I should know who that is and what that is it's definitely gonna be gaming um, but this is huge this um, foot long no more but maybe more um, oh my god okay right Come on, open the damn thing up. Okay, so I've got a card box inside are two sections covered in paper chips. Um, and I'm just going to move the stuff on the right-hand side, I guess. Um, let just see what I've got. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I should have known this, shouldn't I? Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds role-playing game has just arrived. The Adventure Edition, which I backed on Kickstarter ages back, and which I've been really looking forward to getting right up until I heard Dave Aldridge tell me how it's all flawed and I should stay with Deluxe. But you know what? I sold Deluxe. I bought Adventure. So kind of screw you, Aldridge. I'm sticking with learning this game. Right, so Adventure Edition rulebook. A second Adventure Edition rulebook. A third Adventure Edition rulebook. And you're probably thinking, why have you got three Adventure Edition rulebooks? Well, truth is, I know that my friend Dave is probably bought into this because he's a Savage Worlds fan. Uh, but I know that I was never going to get Ian to play unless I bought him a copy. So there was a copy. And I kind of figured that I was going to buy an extra copy for, for Andy as well. I guess it would be Andy these days. Back in the day, it would have been Pete because... Uh, he was at the table at the time I ordered this, but now I'd be thinking, give a copy to Mandy. So that's why I got three copies to give to my players. Um, I wasn't sure if they would be back at the table anyway, but I was pretty sure if he did, he'd have it. And back then, if you remember, if you think back to February, I was thinking very much of running Savage Worlds. Oh, things have changed, haven't they? And then underneath that in this box... <clears throat> Oh, yeah, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Um, Essentials box set. Okay, so this is a sealed box in itself. Oh, that's cute. There's a little mini spider running out of the box. 
Hope it's not like radioactive. Ooh. Anyway, tells you all essential box set, which contains, well, uh, it says here 96 page world builder's guide, trifold landscape gem screen, 48 page mini settings book, oversized action deck, adventure deck, power cards, status cards, dice set with four custom wild dice, 25 custom bennies. The acrylic cone and blast templates, the combat quick reference chart, the chase quick reference chart, the die cut status tokens, five power and ammo tracker dials, a red in the rain poster and bookmarks. And that book's box itself is at least the size of most games that you would buy. Nice. Okay, I think that's the right hand panel cleared. Let's do the left hand side of this box. What else have we got? Okay, so it's kind of extras. Whoop! It's kind of extras time, really, because, um, yeah, I went for this. I was concerned that I wouldn't have enough of things. I've got an extra power card deck. An extra status card deck. <laughs> Chips going everywhere, including with my mic. Alright, there's now a priority mail envelope. And, oh yeah, I forgot. It was on offer because they were about to kick, I didn't know when I ordered this that they were about to kickstart Rifts all over again and do a new updated version, but I've got the Deluxe Edition Rifts box set. <laughs> oh my God, what have you bought, Webster? You're insane. Okay, what's in this envelope? Ah! Maybe I can just give a copy of the role-playing game to Dave because I also have the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition leather-bound hardcover version. Mm, that's rather nice. Signed by Shane Lacey Hensley. Uh, Clint Black and Jodie Black. Yeah, it's kind of nice. OMG. I guess Savage Worlds came. <laughs> uh, is this another game I'll never play? Well, I want to record this little segment because I think it reveals how my brain works, kind of in a creative sense. And... Also, how excited I can get about the silliest things, really. So, I got GURPS Ice Age, um, which is from 1989. It is a book about, uh, as it says on the back here, really, the an overview of the Pleistocene Epoch, the dawn of mankind. And it kind of covers, in game terms, everything that was understood, I think, at the time, in 1989. Now, obviously... Uh, science has moved on a bit, but for gaming terms, it's kind of a really useful tool and really exciting. And I've always been interested in kind of trying to find a way of playing a game set in a prehistoric world. Although, I have a magical mindset. So, um, I was very pleased actually to note that there is in here a section on magic for the shaman. To try and kind of bring out what I think is shamanism here is really sort of really animistic um, stuff, which is great, and some early totemism as well, I think, kind of coming through. 
herbalism and all those kinds of things. It's kind of cool. Um, really makes it interesting for me that there's a spell list of 16 spells in here. Um, and that really excites me. It's really interesting. Um, so that was the first step in my process. Next thing, what kind of reminded me, and I think I mentioned this in a recent GM's journal, reminded me of the writings of Stan Gooch, who died, I think, in 2010. And he was a very controversial, fringe, I guess most would say pseudoscientist. He was self-styled as a kind of archaeologist of ideas, trying to dig through the science as he understood it and sort of piece together uh, an image. And he's very famous for writing an awful, an awful lot about the Neanderthals. Um, and he theorised long before uh, more recent discoveries kind of confirmed similar ideas. He, he theorised that humans, Homo sapiens sapiens, are really the product of Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon hybridization. Now, it's been shown that there's certainly some hybridization in our DNA between Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. Um, and I guess that some degree kind of indicates some of his ideas, although it's massively more complicated than that. And I'm not even going to sec for a second claim that Stan was right. What's interesting is Stan kind of imagines this whole dream culture of Neanderthals uh, in a book by the same name and in several other books. And I've always been kind of captivated by that image, this idea that somehow in the past there's this magical dream-based culture of early humanity which has been lost and squashed uh, by modern science. And it's those two ideas that are really kind of upmost in my mind right now and I'd really like to kind of create a fantasy world and let me be clear I am talking about a fantasy world but a kind of quite low fantasy world that draws on these ideas that draws on this basic kind of shamanism and the idea of some magic but it being a mystic totemic and um, symbolic and of course there there is where the next thing happens. So I go looking for Stan Gooch's books and I end up pulling off the shelves Man and His Symbols by Carl Gustav Jung. You know, that book he wrote in just before really 60, his death in 61. Probably the most non-technical of his writings that I keep wanting to dip it or keep going back to and dipping into all over the place. I have my copy of Man and His Symbols um, and... You know, here I am again, really excited about exploring uh, Jungian psychology, um, pseudo-scientific kind of conceptions of early magic, and bringing that all down to kind of prehistoric world to build a fantasy game. Anyone interested? I don't know. I can't imagine anyone else in the world would care about this idea. They all think I'm mad. But... I'm putting it out there. I'm sharing it with you, okay? This is how my mind works. That's the way it is. Hey, up, Shay. Just a quick message while I can remember and it's on my mind. Uh, Ice Age RPG setting. That sounds very interesting. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time. Bit of recommended reading. I don't know if you've already read it. But uh, Gene Owl, or Owl, that's A-U-E-L, the Clan of the Cave Bear and the Valley of the Horses are excellent reading material, I think, personally. Really enjoyed those two books. They're part of a series. 
I sort of gave up with the Mammoth Hunters, the third one, which I didn't think was anywhere near as good. But the first two were very, very good uh, books to give a lot of inspiration, including sort of spiritual um, Neanderthal inspiration. Anyway, speak to you soon, mate. Bye. Your different game worlds are really cool. Um, if you want to publish this part, you can. Sorry, I'm in the car. <laughs> Pretty bad, huh? Anyhow, so I like a lot of your game worlds. Your conspiracy, your government agents, and um, conspiracy, of course, sounds just like the laundry, right? And then you have—I'm sure you've read the laundry novels, or you're familiar with them. Um, and then the other ones are pretty cool. You could probably mix Siberian and and Ice Age together to some degree. But yeah, I'd play in any of those worlds. They sound pretty awesome. I enjoy listening to your um, GM Journal because it's kind of a hearing your thoughts helps me process my thoughts. And it's kind of a kindred voice. Uh, I, I have some of the same doubts and some of the same challenges. Like say I deal, deal with some of the same interaction kind of things. Maybe not the exact same, right? But you talk about your day kind of helps me process mine. So that's why I really like Jim Journal. Plus I like behind the scenes thoughts as you develop and do campaigns and your thoughts behind the games. I like hearing all that. I like hearing the the thought, you know, the little thought bubble above your head. I enjoy that. But anyhow, just thought I'd give you the call and let you know those things. So I'll talk to you later. Take care. What's going on, Mr. Webster? That was another fantastic episode, man. I just absolutely love your stuff. And I wanted to call in to say that uh, your reading of the GURP sleep rule will probably put pun totally intended the sleep issue to bed because it's basically what you know people like jason and shandy andy and myself were saying is that missing a little bit of sleep doesn't automatically or shouldn't automatically give you a penalty so yeah you you get a chance to make will rolls you don't you have certain amount of fatigue points that you can lose it affects different people differently based on the different advantages and stuff that you read out so i think it's a perfect compromise so right on man have a great evening and uh i'll talk to you later peace out friday morning just going to work very shortly and my wife deb will be back from rome this evening and uh, i missed her a lot so it'll be nice to have that reunion this weekend I've just been thinking about two things, really. I was listening to Dave Aldridge interviewing um, Griffin Mon- Morgan the Third. that's right, um, on the Deep Centile podcast, and I uh, really enjoyed that interview, actually. It's an hour and a half, but it was a really good listen and uh, quite engaging. And what was interesting is that Griff uh, was talking an awful lot about wargaming because, obviously, he's the guy behind the um, Secrets of Blackmore film, uh, for the first part of which was released towards the end of the last year and finally kind of released uh, in, I don't know, around about June-July time. And uh, he's he's a big wargamer. It turns out he's a big wargamer. And I found this fascinating because what it did to me is it's triggered and reminded me of my roots. And, uh, of course, my roots are with wargaming with my dad. I was probably about six or seven when I started gaming, uh, maybe 
you know, I, I think pretty much all of my life, since I could vaguely talk, my dad has gamed with me, which is something I really, it's the one thing I really value in our relationship, I guess, and the fact we still on and off game, usually online. But anyway, um, it was amazing that, uh, to me, to hear this sort of talk about wargaming and how there's this kind of fluid relationship between role-playing games and wargaming when you kind of calmly accept the fact that role-playing games came out of wargaming. And it reminded me that there's this sort of artificial split that's been sort of put in there. Bam. And I think part of that came from the wargaming community itself. And the other part of that came from the role-playing community, those who were not wargamers. And I found that interesting because, I don't know, I'm not quite first generation of gamer at all, probably second or something generation of the D&D gamers and, and other role-playing gamers. But, um, yeah, I didn't, ha- I didn't have that split, and I still don't really have that split. I mean, I do, obviously, there's a difference between a tabletop wargaming and a role-playing game, uh, but that's much more fluid for me. And it perhaps explains why I like tactical combat, although Griff himself doesn't in role-playing games, wants to do theatre of the mind in role-playing game. I like tactical combat, and perhaps because I don't war game anymore, really, my friends are not war gamers. Uh, well, one is, but we would barely see each other enough to game. Most of my friends are are sort of from a role playing community, and or they're just not gamers. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of part of me just you know I like my skirmish war game, and I like role playing games. Um, and I have an appreciation for large-scale wargaming. And, um, yeah, it just struck me as an, uh, an interesting point, really, I suppose, to sort of think about the fluidity between those things and, and why I like the way I play. Also, I think it explains, you know, I, I come from a wargaming tradition which was about simulation, really. Uh, my dad is very much more interested in simulating uh, those things and... Uh, the battles, refighting battles, those kinds of what-if scenarios are very fascinating to him. And I come from that background. And, you know, that's that's why I think, at heart, I I don't like highly abstracted, very light role-playing games because I kind of want to simulate living, you know, the role, playing out the role of a character within the fantastic worlds that I'm playing in. Not like it to play, but you know I me. Mean. So there you go. There was a second thought. I um, also it was just sort of um, Facebook messaging Frank Turfler back and forth over the last few days. We've become very friendly, I think, and um, I, I count Frank amongst my friends that we've never met and probably never will. Um, but yeah, it was great. We've been talking a lot about Gertz. I think it's sort of. Uh, listening to me has sparked some curiosity in Frank and Frank if you're listening hi <laughs> um, but I said something to him and I thought I'd better say it out loud to you guys I realised after I don't know how many weeks it's been maybe eight or possibly longer weeks I've been pretty much focused on GURPS um, you know when Savage Worlds arrived the other day I absolutely have not read it I kind of put it on a pile and um, resisted that urge simply because I know me um, but I said something to Frank, and I'm going to share it. I, I've I've come to a point where I kind of trust GURPS as a game system, um, and it's the rules part of my game in Triangle sorted. And so my interest and my focus is now on worlds and on structure, and, and to more, to more than anything, I think, on, on worlds. 
And I um, I found that quite freeing. And realising it uh, really today, I, uh, yeah, it's like I can trust the game. So the, the game rules. So um, there's sort of an answer there for me when I need it. And um, I kind of get the structure of it. And uh, yeah, there's a lot for me to learn still, don't get me wrong. Um, are many things for me to sort of embed in my understanding. But I know that that game is solid. And I think that that's a feeling I don't have. Uh, a, when I play a game I'm not familiar with, obviously. But more importantly, B, when I play lighter games, I don't feel like I can trust the game. So I feel uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I also know that as a, as a, as a player, I prefer some granularity, some detail, some, some crunch on my character. I want to... I want to sort of more finely detail that character and it matters to me that they have certain skill and it matters to me what they don't have skill in and uh, I don't find it satisfactory to just sort of narratively note that. Um, I feel like it on my sheet is a really helpful thing for me and um, it's about defining I suppose. Um, and I I realise that that's me as a player. So I think as a GM, um, again, without that, uh, you know, being able to sort of codify things, I suppose, to some degree, I don't feel safe. I don't feel as comfortable. Um, and so I find it inhibiting to my creativity and to my ability to improvise. Uh, so whereas I fully appreciate that many people listening to this are completely the opposite, they're completely freed by the lack of, you know, definition and rule, um, and crunch, uh, if we can use that horrible term, um, you know, I get that, I kind of understand that intellectually, but I don't understand it emotionally, because I'm kind of the other way around, so there you go, I've said it, and uh, I felt it was an important thing to to share Hey Jade, Spencer here. Um, I just uh, tickled me. I'm partway through listening to your GURPS solo episode and you mentioned that you didn't know what a hooker was and um, I don't know if you would know it as maybe a shisha or a uh, hubbly-bubbly perhaps. But it's uh, a water pipe, it's uh, smoking paraphernalia. And it just tickled me that in your last message to me, you made a skinning up pun. And uh, here I am explaining smoking paraphernalia to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really enjoying the episode. Glad to hear, hear you're feeling a lot better. And uh, yeah, hope you're well, mate. Take care.